thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Welcome back to another episode of Salt and Light Ministries, where we're currently in a series called Foundations, and we're doing a sub-series called Submitting to Sovereignty. In the past few episodes of this Submitting to Sovereignty series, we've talked about who God is and His characteristics, and who mankind is and our characteristics, and how they apply in the concept of relationship. We found through Scripture that mankind is very limited, and we also handle control on a very limited basis. Not very well, I might add. And God is unlimited, and God can handle all control. Last week, we talked about God's sovereignty, and we defined key words used to describe God and to describe God's sovereignty today. Those words are sovereign, control, and cause. And we concluded that God is sovereign. God is in control of everything, and God is not the cause of everything. Now, just to be clear, I did get some feedback on that last episode. And if one person is bold enough to come out with a concern or a comment, then that normally means that other people have similar questions running through their mind. So I want to address the concern because this ministry is here to mirror what God expects out of a relationship, and that's to continue the conversation. With that being said, if I made it sound like I was limiting God's power in the last episode, I apologize. Because as a created being, I can't limit God's power, and I never want to limit anyone's perception of God. Yes, God is the ultimate ruler, and yes, God is the reason and the cause for all things that exist and are living. The very breath in our lungs are a gift from God, and at any moment, God can choose to take that gift back. God has that ability. He has that power to do so. Just understanding Scripture is clear that God never does anything without a good God reason behind it. Basically, God does cause everything to exist, and God does not cause every event in our lives to happen. He's that powerful that He doesn't have to cause everything to happen in our lives in order for His will to be done. Which brings us to our topic of today. That's the concept of free will. Now, where did this concept of free will come from? Well, I went online and found plato.stanford.edu, and they published an article back on January 7th in 2002 covering the origin and the basics of the term and concept of free will. The term free will has emerged over the past two millennia as the canonical designator for a significant kind of control over one's actions. That article goes on to say that the free will discussion was intended to answer a specific question. Is it necessary for moral responsibility or human dignity? Is free will a necessity? And I don't have time to really dive into that discussion or the discussion between Plato and Aristotle. If I attempted to do that, we'd end up studying the article and not God's word. So let's focus on free will as it pertains to Christians and our relationship with God today. 
And as I just stated, the original definition of free will is the canical designator for a significant kind of control over one's actions. Canical, meaning according to the list of sacred books officially accepted as genuine or canon law. To the Jewish people, that would have been the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. Using that term as a mathematical term, some, if something is canonical, that would mean that the equation has been reduced to its basic form. Now, if we combine all this knowledge together, we can find the original definition, which is a little bit easier to understand. So the original definition of free will is the most basic form under biblical law that describes a significant kind of control over one's actions. And over the past two millennia, the definition has shifted. The current definition in Western culture defines free will as the power to act without constraint of necessity or fate, the ability to act on one's discretion. Do you see the difference between the two? The original definition describes free will as a kind of control over one's actions, limited by an outside deity. And today's definition describes free will as control without limits, without restrictions, without constraint. That effectively puts man's abilities through free will equal to God and God's abilities. Remember, words matter in their original definition and culture. The discussion when it comes to free will shouldn't be God's abilities versus man's abilities. It really should be between God's abilities and man's responsibilities. And man's responsibilities is what some people would call free will. But we need to get our words right. So how do we change the conversation in the Christian culture from God's abilities versus man's abilities to God's abilities versus man's responsibilities? Well, it starts by changing our own perception of the concept of free will. And in order to change that perception, we need to stop thinking of ourselves as equal to God. Being a child of God doesn't give you the same abilities as he has. My 11-year-old daughter and my 2-year-old son can't do what I do physically. And they can't have conversations with me on the same intellectual level. They're my kids. They're not there yet. We as children of God also can't do what our Father can do. Nor can we actually have intellectual conversations with Him on His level. I don't care if you've been following God a day or a hundred years. I don't care if you have the Bible memorized by heart. We are all still God's children, not God's adults. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So after we get off our high horse and stop thinking of ourselves as equals to God, that's when we have to go back and see what abilities God gave us. Because creation is God's creation. Mankind is a created being. Therefore, we are limited to the limitations the Creator gave us. And we covered some of this in part two of the series, Submitting to Sovereignty. But let's go back and review what limitations God actually placed on His creation, mankind. In Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Stop. The Hebrew word for dominion there is rada, meaning sovereignty or control. So let them have sovereignty or control. Sovereignty is, means to be a supreme ruler. Control means to have the power to influence or direct people's behavior in the course of events. With those definitions, you could read the scriptures like this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 
let him have the power to influence or direct people's behavior or the power to control the course of events. But that brings up the question, sovereignty over what? Control over what? Well, if you continue on that verse, you can see that it's the, it's the ability to influence or control the events over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So according to scripture, God gave mankind the ability to influence people's behavior and the course of events of everything on earth. The earth is man's domain given to us by God, meaning the earth is man's area or territory that he owns. Not because we're powerful enough to take it, but because God was loving enough to give it. An example I can think of is when my daughter turned 16. I plan on giving my daughter a car. And effectively, that car will become hers. She will become that car's sovereign. But at any time, I'll be able to take that car back because it's still going to be in my name. Why is it still going to be in my name? Because I am my daughter's sovereign. I use that example to make one thing clear. Us being given sovereignty over the earth is in no way diminishing God's sovereignty over us. But let's continue. God gave us sovereignty, little s. Then he gave us limitations on where that sovereignty applies, the earth. But God didn't stop there. He continued adding to our abilities one more key aspect. It's almost like God saying, but wait, there's more. Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over all of the earth. The first passage in Genesis 1.26 was God's intentions. The second passage in Genesis 1.28 is God's instructions over how we're to use those abilities, over how we should respond to different situations. Because notice the word subdue. The Hebrew word here is kavash, meaning to subject, to force into submission, to keep under, to bring into bondage. Well, here's a question. In a perfect society, in a perfect system, why would we ever need the ability to force something into submission? What could you possibly need to bring into bondage? And we'll get deeper into that at a later time. When God gave mankind the ability to subdue, to force into submission, with the ability to control over, ultimately, God gave us the ability to choose between. He gave us the ability to respond through the ability of control and submission. With today's definition of free will, the power to act without constraint of necessity or fate, does that sound like what God gave mankind? According to the scriptures, no. Dominion over the earth and the ability to subdue it is not the same as being given free will. Not by that definition. Because God didn't give us power without constraint. God didn't give us power without limitation. God gave us dominion and the ability to subdue, and together that gives mankind choice. And choice is the ability to decide between two or more possibilities. Therefore, man does not have free will. Genetically altered Christianity has done it again. It supplanted the meaning of free will with the meaning of responsibility. Because responsibility is the state of having an obligation to deal with something or having control over someone or something. 
our sovereignty doesn't give us the power to act without constraint. We're not equals to God. It does give us the ability to deal with something or to influence others and influence the course of events through our choices. The sovereignty over the earth given to us by God equates to the responsibility of choice. There's a big difference between God's sovereignty, big S, and man's sovereignty, little s. God has free will. As the creator of all things, God has free will. He does act without constraint. Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that have not yet been done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Psalm 115.3, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. That sounds like free will to me. Mankind, on the other hand, has been given the responsibility of choice over a limited arena. And even that arena remains in God's ultimate control. Colossians 1.17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Genetically altered Christianity tries to place mankind on the same playing field as God when it says that mankind has free will. We don't. God does. So let these truths become foundational in your house of relationship with God. First, stop thinking of yourself as an equal to God. None of us are equals. Only Jesus Christ is equal to God. Second, God is the one with the free will. And out of God's free will and His sovereignty, He chose to give us sovereignty, little s, over this world. And He chose to give us the responsibility of choice over our lives. So let God work these concepts out in your spirit. Continue reading your Bible and doing the basics. Continue that conversation through prayer. Allow God to speak into your situation, giving you peace and understanding. And next week, we'll continue the series by looking into submission, what it is, and what it's not. And if time allows next week, we'll even get into what I mean when I say dual submission, because a relationship requires both parties to submit in some shape, form, or fashion. But more than likely, that'll have to be an episode all to itself. Until next week, be bold, be strong, be blessed.